Listener Production. Are you tired of not getting what you want in life? I used to feel the same until I learnt the techniques of manifestation. Let me take you through step by step how I manifest so you can start living the life you had always dreamt for yourself. All the info on my Manifest Your Greatness course is in this episode's show notes or you can go to the shop tab at sarahgrimberg.com to purchase Manifest Your Greatness. My guest today is stem cell biologist, Dr. Bruce Lipton, whose groundbreaking research demonstrates that we need not be victims of our environment or enslaved by our genetic destiny. From a young age, we have been taught that we have little control over our health, specifically when it comes to disease and dysfunction. We have been conditioned to rely solely on doctors, follow their directives and relinquish our power to cultivate a physically healthy body. However, as human beings, we possess the capacity to shape our own level of satisfaction and well-being, despite the prevalent narrative of victimhood. Dr Lipton's research has shown that we possess the agency and influence to determine our own physical health. This realisation is both exhilarating and empowering, and it challenges the notion that we are helpless to our circumstances. In my third and first face-to-face interview with Bruce, we discuss why genes don't determine your genetic destiny, how your mind creates coherence between your belief and your reality, and how you can reprogram the negative subconscious programs in your mind that you collected while growing up. When the subconscious mind is doing its job, it's doing it because you're not paying attention. And if the subconscious mind has got great programs, then don't worry about it because the subconscious mind is going to, you know, give you the life you want. But let's give my example. My father and my mother had a very dysfunctional relationship. I go, so what does that mean? I say, well, when I downloaded how to be a man and how to have a relationship, I got a program from my father. And it's like, guess what? With that program, I could never get a relationship off the ground. 50 years, essentially, of failing at relationships. If that program was a negative program and I'm not paying attention, I didn't see I sabotaged myself. All I know is it didn't work out the way I wanted. I'm Sarah Grimberg, and this is A Life of Greatness. Through my years of studying and researching the connection between human behaviour, personal growth and transformation, I have discovered the keys to unlocking greatness within others. In this podcast, I share stories and experiences from my own teachings, along with conversations with inspiring guests to help you learn the simple tips, habits, practices and strategies to cultivate an extraordinary existence. Bruce Lipton is the author of many books, including The Biology of Belief and The Honeymoon Effect. Bruce's wisdom has changed the way I view genetics and the subconscious mind and has shone a light on how we deconstruct those preconditioned beliefs we all have about who we are and what we are capable of achieving. My hope is that Bruce's words inspire you to seek your own truth, to explore the unknown, lean into fear, and never stop learning. Bruce Lipton, this is the third time I've had you on the podcast, and it's an absolute treat because you're actually in studio with me today. So I'm so fortunate to be seeing you face to face. 
For me, it's very exciting because before we used to just do this in the blind over the air. And uh, I'm so happy to be back here in Australia after a couple of years of not being here and uh, and initiating a new program called the Awaken Festival at the Peninsula Hot Springs. Uh, and it was great because it was like inauguration. Here's something brand new. And uh, the people were so enthusiastic that actually I'm looking forward to next year because it's going to even be better and bigger. Oh, it's so good. It's amazing we're doing this stuff face to face now so it's not so much of the zoom we're here in person and it's just such a treat to have you here but because you've been on a couple of times before I really wanted this interview to go through a few different things that I think my audience will love and that I know that you'll be able to answer the first thing is I know that quantum physics is a big area that you play in Yes, it's scary for a lot of people, but without the equations and just understand the principle, it's a lot more fun. Exactly. I've been diving in a lot to quantum physics recently, and I know there's a saying about this idea of infinite doors in quantum physics and the idea that there are different realities that happen at the same time. And dependent on the choice that we make, then those different realities can come to fruition and I wanted you to kind of explain the understanding that there are parallel realities existing at one time because it's a concept that I know a lot of people are fascinated with but they might not know the ins and outs of. Well, it is a very difficult one to put in your head and try to yes. understand it. Uh, and I think the first thing to really understand is quantum physics reveals to us that consciousness is creating our life experiences so that our thoughts are manifesting this. And then, of course, all of a sudden I said, well, there's no limitation on our thoughts. We can have different thoughts today and a few minutes later have another thought. And yet each one of these activates another reality because we are manifesting this. And that's really hard for people because we all feel like victims of a world going around and I'm just inside. And it's like, no, we're creators. And I I always like to ask my audience, I show them a picture of Einstein and the idea that this is all quantum physics and we're creating this. So I say, well, how's that working for you? How's your creation going? Uh, And most people have a lot of trouble because the first thing is they don't want to really own what's happening here. Oh, that's happening to me. That's happening to, I'm a victim. Uh, And I used to believe it that way myself, you know, and I I wasn't into quantum physics. And once I started to get into quantum physics, oh my goodness, this is just a a, a consciousness aspect of the whole thing. Uh, And people have a difficult time thinking, my consciousness is creating my reality. And I go, well, you know, one thing most people don't recognize is something called the placebo effect. They recognize the placebo effect. And I say, well, you have some illness and a doctor says, here's the greatest newest medicine for you and you take the medicine, you get well, and then you find out it was a sugar pill. And I said, well, then what healed you? And the answer was the belief in the mm. sugar pill, the consciousness, the vision of it. And this is really the most important part because people don't recognize that the reality we're manifesting in this moment right now is the consequence of a picture we're holding in our mind. And I go, well, what does that mean? I say, well, if you have a picture of love and happiness and you manifest this beautiful life experience, maybe the honeymoon kind of thing. Yeah. But then if you watch the news and watch what's going on in the world and you start to get fear of what's going on, I say, well, then what's that picture in your mind? And it's generally not something that's happy and loving. It's like, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm afraid. And I go, well guess what? You will now manifest something that will create that fear in you that you already started with. And it's very hard because there's a word, you know, I I hate to use it sometimes in the audience because they get upset and the word is 
responsibility. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, it, and it basically says, we are creating this. And if you're creating it, then recognize there's, we have some responsibility in what we're creating. It's good to know that there are those infinite doors, though, because I think a lot of people believe that we come onto the earth and that's it's just that's it. Like there's this one path, right? Yeah. And like you kind of mentioned, there are infinite doors there of these realities that are all kind of happening at the same time. And the move that we make, the thought that we think, the thing that we do has the ability to change that outcome. Well, this is, again, going back to consciousness, maybe perhaps the first important thing to understand is that uh, who we are, our identity, is not even inside of our body. uh, A body is like a television set uh, uh, receiving a broadcast. Uh, Now uh, we're here and you can see the Bruce TV. uh, And just like a television, while the picture and the story is coming across on the screen, it's not in the television, it's the broadcast received by that television Mm. set. So I said, well, it's the broadcast. I said, well, that's an energy field. And I go, well, the energy field is unlimited. Uh, well, physical things have a border. Here's the edge of this, and here's the edge of that, and that's separate. Energy has no borders. It's like ripples on a pond. And like if you look at a pond when it's raining out, you start to realize all the ripples in the pond are interconnected at the same time. Yeah. And which ripples you're focusing on uh, determine where you put your attention, and where you put your attention it's a different story. Something I wanted to talk to you about is a study that I saw recently and it was to do with women that had uterine cancer. What the scientist did is he tested the electromagnetic field around these women that had uterine cancer and he found that there was the same electromagnetic field around these same women, right? And then what he did is he tested a whole group of women that did not have uterine cancer and with some of them he found that there was that same electrodes, that same signature within the field, right? Right, right. And so what they realised that it was this field that is then creating the ability for that cancer to kind of manifest. But at the same time, if we bring coherence into the field through upregulating our vibration, then we can change that cancer coming to that person. Or I would love to get your take on that. Well, um, basically, let's let's take a quote from Albert Einstein. He's my hero. Yes. The quote is the field, and let's emphasize, what is the field? It's the invisible energy that's surrounding us. Wherever anybody's sitting right now, there's energy all around you, whether it's cell phone energy, television energy, radio energy, solar energy. You're in a field. So let's just say field is the invisible energy around us. The quote, now this is the most important one for me, the field is the sole governing agency of matter. Like, what does that mean? I say, the physical thing that we perceive is actually the expression of the field. The field is first, and then matter manifests from that field. And if we come in with a field that's not in harmony, we come in with an energy that's noisy instead of music-like, I say, well, then what are you going to create? You're not going to create something beautiful. No Taj Mahal is going to come from a a corrupted energy field. You're going to make a shack out of it. And I go, all of a sudden, I say, yeah. Uh, And for me, me, this is so important for the audience. They really should understand this. There is no gene that causes cancer. Mm. There's not one gene that causes cancer. Genes are correlated with cancer. That means um, first you have a field that is upsetting the system, and then you will engage that so-called cancer gene. But the gene itself 
causes nothing. And basically, and I go, well, what's the issue about that? And, I, and we're talking about a field and vision. I said, what happens when a woman goes to a doctor and she gets a test and all of a sudden she finds out I have the BRCA cancer gene? I said, what's the vision that this woman is holding in her head? And I go, first of all, it's probably not a very healthy, happy vision because all of a sudden she's manifesting, oh my God, uh, I'm going to get cancer. And I go, well, that is the first step toward cancer. Because that's a vision. And that vision is translated by the body into the material reality. So the vision is the field and the body is a manifestation of the field. You want to change the cancer. Everyone thinks, well, let's just go kill the cancer, do radiation, let's do chemotherapy. I go... The cancer cells are the consequence of the cancer, the symptom of a cancer. They're not the cause. And this is why we have so much problem. Everybody wants to kill all the cancer cells. I say, yeah, but they didn't cause the cancer. They're the result of it. And we're missing. What we're missing is, oh, cancer runs in a family, let's say. Uh, And one of the important stories I tell people is when they were looking at what happens to children that are adopted into a family, I say, well, if a child's adopted into a family where there's cancer running through that family, it turns out the adopted child will get the same family cancer as any of the natural siblings. But... The adopted child has totally different genetics. Which is crazy. I remember you told me that that blew me away, that story, because it's the environment that's bringing on the cancer, not the genes. Right. It's a behavior that's not in harmony with life. Yeah. Uh, and we're so programmed with fear, which is a, a vibration. Everything's a vibration. Yeah. There are good vibes, bad vibes. And I go, yeah, but which vibes are you holding on to? Because that vibe, that feel, that energy is going to manifest in a physical form. And all of a sudden I say, well, then what? What are you thinking? And this is the problem in today's world because people are so under threat. We're so under so much stress. Uh, Are you going to have enough money? You're going to have a place to live? Will there be food? Will I get health care? Whatever's going on. I go, these are images in the mind that are not you know, precipitating anything beautiful and lovely. Mm -hmm. They're precipitating something that you're going to be afraid of. And I go, well, that's the problem. And it really, it's, it's hard for people to understand that how this works is that the cells live in an environment called the blood. So inside your body, blood. And I say, well, that's where cells live. And I say, it's the chemistry of the blood that controls the genetics. And I go, yeah, that's, that's what my research revealed. The, the blood chemistry determines whether health or cancer. And then, of course, my research says, well, what the heck controls the blood chemistry? I go, well, the brain is the chemist to determine what kind of chemistry goes in. But then the biggest and last question is, so what chemistry should the brain be putting into the blood, which in turn controls the biology? And it turns out, whatever picture you're holding in your mind, the brain translates that picture into complementary chemistry. Mm. So if you're holding a picture of love in your mind, you see a picture of love, and I go, so what's the brain going to do? It's going to translate that into complementary chemistry, dopamine, pleasure, oxytocin, bonding with your lover, growth hormone. And I go, you know, that cocktail of chemicals enhances vitality. And that's why when people have a picture of love in their mind, they're more vital, they're more, you know, they're healthy, they glow. I go, that's not an accident. That's the result of a translation of that picture. And I said, but if you have a picture of fear, 
I said, then the love chemistry is not coming out of the brain. Now you're going to put stress chemistry coming out of the brain. And people should know this. That, uh, you, we have a, a conventional system that believes that all of our illnesses in some way are related to our genes. And the truth of science is less than 1% of diseases connected to genes. Less than 1%. And you say, then where's the healthcare crisis coming from? And the answer is over 90% of illness is the result, direct result of stress. Yeah. And it's a picture of stress that releases the chemistry of stress. And the chemistry of stress will actually shut down your growth and maintenance of your body as you protect yourself. The study I was talking to you about with the women with the uterine cancer, when they noticed that electromagnetic field around them, yeah. they would have been stressed or had some kind of trauma in their lives or something that allowed them to have that energy field around them? Like, if someone's listening and they're like, I mean, no one wants cancer. No. What would they do so that didn't happen to them? Well, the first thing is the energy field around that was being measured. So where's that energy field coming from the outside coming in or is it from the inside coming out? It's the latter. And I go, what do you mean? And I say, well, you know, you could read your brain activity, putting wires on your head. It's called electroencephalograph. And you say, oh, yeah, inside my brain, all this electrical activity of consciousness is going on. I go, yeah, but the problem is we think it's all inside your head. There's a newer device that actually reads the same brain energy, but it's called magnetic encephalograph instead of electroencephalograph. And I say, what's unique? I say, the probe doesn't even touch the head. The probe is outside and it's reading your brain mm. function. I go, so what does that mean? I say, your thoughts are not contained in your head. Your thoughts are actually broadcast out into the world around you and you can read them out here. And it wasn't that you walked into a negative field. You are <laughs> carrying that yes. negative field and you're surrounding yourself with an energy that's not in harmony. Yes. And it's a thought. And it's a consciousness, but it's not a consciousness that we're aware of because, as, as you said, nobody wants to have cancer. I go, then where the heck is that thought generating that energy field? And I go, that's in what is called the subconscious mind. And sub means below. And I say, well, what mind is that? I said, that's a mind that's operating below your awareness level. And it operates 95% of the day controlling your life. And I go, well, what's important about that? I said, well, what, what energy, what thoughts are coming? Where did they get the energy and thoughts in the subconscious mind? Because they don't match mm. your conscious mind. Oh, I want to be healthy. I want to be happy. I want to be in love. I go, that's wishes and desires. That is the character of the conscious mind. The subconscious mind is what we were programmed with in the first seven years of life. And I go, well, programmed? I go, yes, uh, very important point. The brain is a computer. It is the most magnificent computer humans have ever experienced. And I go, but it is a computer. And just like any computer, you can go in out and buy a brand new computer and, and then push start and it boots up. And then I say, okay, now do something. And you go, no, I can't do anything. I say, you got a brand new computer. You go, not until I put programs in the computer can I use that computer. So the child's first seven years, actually started in the last trimester of pregnancy yeah. while you were still in utero, you begin to download awareness of how the world works. You observe other people. You observe your mother, your father, your family. And that's where you get your program. If I'm a boy generally, then I'm going to look at my father and say, well, that's the behavior that 
boys grow up into. And you look at your mother and you say, well, that's the woman that will manifest uh, with this, you know, with this parent thing. And, and then you say, all of a sudden you say, well, then what's my role? I got a program. I, I behave like my father. Uh, uh, and I go, why? Because that's, I was programmed. Look, to fit into the world, you have to be a member of a family and you have to be a member of a community. I say, there are rules, thousands of rules. And a child can't read a book, go to school, and yet they must learn these rules. Otherwise, they're not going to fit. Yeah. Uh, and so nature creates the first seven years where your brain is in a state of hypnosis. It's called theta. Theta is imagination. That's why children under seven can mix the real world and the imaginary world. You have that tea party, you pour nothing into the cup, and you drink the nothing, and you exclaim, that was the best tea I ever had in my life. I say, that is theta, mixing real world and imagination, but theta is hypnosis. Meaning what? If I need to know how a, a boy grows into a man, how they're supposed to behave, well, then I need somebody to show me. So yes. I look at my father. And in theta is hypnosis. So I watch his behavior. I download his program. But that's in my subconscious, okay? Uh, uh, and the idea about that is the conscious mind can override the system. And I say, the conscious mind is the one with the wishes and the desires. What do you want? If you answer the question of what do you want, you're answering it from the conscious creative mind, which is the source of wishes and desires. I go, then how come I'm not manifesting wishes and desires if that's, you know, my thoughts are creating? I go, and, and this is hard for people to understand, uh, the conscious mind can uh, look out at the world. Let's say you're driving your car, and you're looking out the window, and you're watching the landscape, the road, and all the cars. And I say, your conscious mind is watching all of this, and it's driving the car. But if you start thinking, a thought is on the inside, so I said, well, what does that mean? I said, well, the conscious mind to have a thought is not looking out the window. It has to look inside. Yeah. I said, well, wait, I'm driving the car, and all of a sudden I have a thought. My conscious mind's not looking out the windshield. It's inside looking for an answer to a thought. I go, oh, my God, then, you know, we're going to kill ourselves. And I go, no, no. The subconscious, and this is the critical part, is called autopilot, meaning my conscious mind got busy thinking, my subconscious knows how to drive the car. It's habit mind. And so the moment I start thinking, then the driving is taken over by my subconscious. And, uh, and I give a story. I say, look, you're in the car with somebody and you're having a great conversation and you get so excited. And then at some point you look out the window and you realize, oh, my God, I haven't paid attention <laughs> to the road for the last five minutes. Uh, you know, I always joke. I say, well, don't tell your partner in the car. Hey, guess what? I've been <laughs> driving and not looking at the road. Uh, but you haven't paid attention. But then I ask the question, two questions. I say, what was the conversation about? You go, oh, we talked about this and this and this. And then I say, and what was on the road during that conversation? And you go, I have no idea. And the point about it was what? You weren't paying attention, but the subconscious mind mm. was. But you didn't see it. And that is the monkey wrench. And I say, what does it mean? I say, when the subconscious mind is doing its job, it's doing it because you're not paying attention. And if the subconscious mind has got great programs, then don't worry about it because the subconscious mind is going to, you know, give you the life yes. you want. But let's give my example. My father and my mother had a very dysfunctional relationship. And I go, so what does that mean? I say, well, when I downloaded how to be a man and how to have a relationship, I got a program from my father. And it's like, guess what? With that program, I could never get a relationship off the ground. Fifty years, essentially, of failing at relationships. Yeah. And I go, Why? 
Because I was playing the program, and let's go back to the story of the car. Why am I playing the program? Because I'm not paying attention. I said, yeah, but if that program was a negative program and I'm not paying attention, I didn't see I sabotaged myself. All I know is it didn't work out the way I wanted. And that's when we acquire, I'm a victim. I wanted to be successful. It's not working. Those people, that person, this thing interfered without any awareness that you've been playing negative programs 95% of the day and you're the one that doesn't see it. So the story yeah. is very simple. You have a friend, you know your friend's behavior very well. You happen to know your friend's parent. One day you see your friend has the exact same behavior as their parents, so it excites you. You got to tell them, you go, hey, Bill, you're just like your dad. And I say, back away from Bill because I know exactly what Bill's going to say. He's going to say, how can you compare me to my dad? I'm nothing like my dad. The audience laughs because most people had similar experience. I go, that's the most profound story. I say, what do you mean? I say, everybody else can see that Bill behaves like his dad. The only one who can't see it yeah, is Bill. Him. And I say, why not? Because when he's playing that dad program, he's playing it because he's not paying attention. Yeah. And I go, and then I conclude the story with, we are all Bill. <laughs> if, if someone is listening and they know about this and they are unwell and they want to find health, as everyone who is unwell yes. does. Yes. What do they do? What are the steps that they should take to allow themselves to, to find health again? Well, you have to first find out um, what kind of program are you manifesting that has taken away your health? Yeah. Uh, and then recognize the key word I just said there was what program are you manifesting? And then you have to recognize, oh my God, this whatever behavior is taking away my health, but it's operating 95% of the day without me observing it. I say, what can I do? And the answer is, and this is very critical because we can rewrite the program. Yeah. And this is a subconscious program. The failure of it that is really so troubling for people is they say to myself, okay, I'm going to change that behavior. I'm going to talk to myself. I can give myself a good talking to. I'm not going to do that. Uh, I remember um, I, I love donuts, but my partner Margaret calls them circles of death. <laughs> <laughs> and so the idea is don't eat the donut. And the next thing you know, unconsciously, there's a donut in my hand and I'm about halfway through it and I go, oh. I'm eating a donut. Of course, by then I feel guilty. I eat the rest of the donut, you know. But the point was, my conscious mind, after hearing that, it didn't change the program. Mm. Why? Because it doesn't learn from my talking to it. And I go, why not? And here's the answer. The subconscious mind is the equivalent of a hard drive on a computer. You got programs in your hard drive. I said, well, then talk to your computer and tell me when you can change the program. And it's like, can't change the program that way. You actually have to push the record button. And people don't recognize that. And that's why it's so frustrating because they can see they're not doing what yeah. they want. And it irritates them even more because then I was eating a donut and I said, oh, damn, I'm eating a stupid donut. Uh, uh, you know, uh, and it's upsetting because how many times do I have to tell myself, don't eat the donut? <laughs> So I've heard you say before there are some techniques like, and I remember one that I was doing for a while was you put the air pods in at night or earbuds, whatever they're yeah. called, and I had recorded myself saying affirmations in the I am statement, like yeah. I am this, I am that. 
And that's the way to rewire the subconscious mind. When you fall asleep, the conscious mind turns off, the subconscious mind is on. For a it period of a short period of time. Yeah. And so you're sleeping, so conscious mind doesn't hear what's coming through the earbuds. Yes. But the subconscious mind is listening, and repetition is how you, it's called the habit mind. Yeah. So to make a habit, you repeat it. And that's why you put the earbuds on and you repeat it. And there's a day you wake up and all of a sudden you've already, you've changed and you hadn't even realized it. And uh, for me, it's kind of fun. It's like learning. How do you learn? First, go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> and then you can start learning. And what I think is really interesting about this I am statement, which from history was there in the biblical terms, it said, Moses said to God, what is your name? And God said, I am that I am, meaning like you are what you say you are. And I find that so unbelievably interesting. I know Wayne Dyer spoke a lot about it as well. And how then from an affirmation perspective, you don't say like, I want to be healthy in five months. I am healthy. I am abundant. I am whatever it is that that you want. That wording is actually very important. It is profoundly important because the idea of it, let's make a recording. Today we're going to make a recording. Let's say uh, I'm not healthy and say, I will be healthy. I want to be healthy. I will be healthy. I say, good, we make a recording. And then I say, let's come back a year. I say, let's hear the recording. I will be healthy. I want to be healthy. I go, you mean it's been a whole year and you still will and want? You didn't get healthy. Mm. I say, no, because the program didn't say I am healthy, but it gives me a future that I might be healthy. But as long as I keep repeating, I will be healthy. And it's like, well, what day am I healthy? And I say, not if you keep repeating that statement, you can't get there. And that's why it's very hard for somebody could be deadly sick. And I say, yeah, but what do you say to yourself? I am healthy. And I go, in their mind, it's like, I, I'm essentially dying here and you're going to try to say that if I say I am healthy, it's going to make a difference. I go, yes, because one of the key phrases that I use in my lecture, key phrase, and that is the function of the mind is to take the program and manifest it. Yeah. And if the program is I will be healthy and the function of the mind says, okay, we will, we will, but it never got healthy because it will. But if you say I am healthy and you're sick as a dog and the mind goes, well, wait a minute, I'm sick. And it says I am healthy and the program is I am healthy. Then the function of the mind is to change the biology so that my program now manifests itself. And so it's very hard for a lot of people to say, you, you have to put in the present tense, like this is what I want now. This is what I am now, but not to project that this will happen yes. in the future. Yes, you're obviously a scientist, Bruce, and you're also a very spiritual being as we all are, but you're very in touch with that side. And there is a question I've been wanting to ask someone for so long. And, I, and some of my friends were like, you've got to ask Bruce this question. When it comes to anything negative in your life, disease, an accident, who knows what, something that has come that's disturbed you in some yeah. sense, how do we know if this is something that we've manifested in our life through our negative thoughts and way of being and negative electromagnetic field that we've been harbouring or the idea that karma in a past life, what's brought into this life, this was always destined because in a past life you were bringing through something and you needed to learn through this experience. How do we make out what's what? 
Well, it's a really important question yeah. because the idea is karma is real. Yes. And I say karma is real because, first of all, as I mentioned, we're not in the body. We're an energy field. And as I also mentioned that uh, when I put the uh, magnetoencephalograph to read my consciousness, I'm broadcasting it back to the field. Yeah. So that whatever I am in process, I'm sending back a message to my source. So uh, so I said, well, what, what's the issue? Did I come in with the karma? Or am I just manifesting it because of my program yes. in this particular life? I say there's really not much difference because when you came in, if you needed to learn something, then your uh, your life experiences are going to uh, give you those behaviors that you had in your karma. Your karma is going to unfold through your own life experiences. We came here to learn. That was the whole idea. And yet the problem with most people is, well, it's not my fault. It was somebody else did this. I'm not responsible. That's the word again. Uh, and I go, karma, when you came in, you came in with karma. But what if you're really positive? So like, Well, wait, 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 with... no, that's an important question. Yeah. What if you're really positive? What does that mean? What I mean is, what if you're doing all the work yeah. and you're fixing your subconscious mind oh, the... and then stuff still happens, is that karma? <laughs> Yeah, but Bertha, that's what I was going to say yeah. when I'm thinking, when I'm doing positive. I say, well, what are you doing positive with? And I go, well, my creative mind is the one that I'm going to do positive yeah. with. And I go, yeah, but you can create all the positivity you want, but if the program didn't change, I don't care how positive you are. The only way to get out of it is to get out of the program. So let's give a little insight for a lot of people out here. And I say, yeah, uh, it's like the movie The Matrix, mm. uh, the basic story of the movie, everybody's program. I go, well, that's, that's not science fiction. That's a reality. Uh, and then they have the red pill and the blue pill. And they, and they say, if you take the red pill, you get out of the program. And I say, well, what's the consequence of taking that red pill? And then I say, let's make a real life story about it. And that is this. Your life could be blah, 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 blah every day. And then you meet somebody special. You fall in love. Just like, <gasps> fall in love. 24 hours later... Your life is not blah, blah, blah anymore. 24 hours, oh, life is beautiful. Love, food is great, music's great, everything is great. We call it the honeymoon. I go, you went blah, 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 and then 24 hours after you met this person, you're in a honeymoon? I go, how the hell could that happen? The answer was this. Science is recognized when you fall in love like that, you stop thinking. And remember, we only... In Gauge that subconscious mind when we are thinking. So if you're not thinking, you say, what do they call? Stay mindful. Stay in the present moment. I mean, you've been looking for this person your whole life. They show up. It's not the time to think. It's time to be there. Yeah. You stop thinking. And I say, then what? Well, now you're not activating your subconscious. Now you're living from conscious, which is what? Creative. So the honeymoon's not an accident. It's a creation that people have done because they set aside the program. I'm not playing the program I played my whole life. Yeah. Now, this is really great because when two people are doing this together and they manifest together, then they actually do manifest heaven on earth. I go, well, then how come the damn honeymoon doesn't last? And I go, because at some point you start thinking. And all of a sudden, when you start thinking, then your behavior is not coming from the wishes and desires. It's coming from those programs. But you never played them in the relationship. Your partner's never even seen those behaviors because when you met your partner, you stopped playing those, those yeah. sabotaging programs. And then all of a sudden, you're in this honeymoon, and then you start thinking, and then your partner comes in and asks you something very sweetly, and you go, blah, blah, blah. And your partner looks at you and goes, who are you? Where did that come from? And this is the hard part because the person who just blah, 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 
They didn't see they did that. Why? Because they were thinking and the behavior played automatically, and now they're being accused of not being themselves. Guess what? This leads to an argument. I go, well, once that argument starts, then the honeymoon starts to really start to disappear at this part. And the more of those programs that start showing up, because now regular life is coming back in, I'm thinking a lot more. And between both people having their negative programs never play, start to show up, that honeymoon kind of disappears in that process. Uh, And the reality was, well, what was it that gave you the honeymoon? I said, you didn't play the program. Yeah. What I want to know as well is, like, you know, say someone like you, a very, uh, you know, you're a person that's studied this work for a very long time, you're a yeah. teacher, and I know that negative stuff would happen to you because that's life, right? So is that still just like we deal with stuff, it's the way we deal with it, you know what I mean? Because no one's life is perfect. No. Here's the difference as I see it, okay? Yeah. In my earlier life, if it didn't go right, they would get me, oh, I get all excited, I got to do something, I'm going to work hard, I'm, I'm getting engaged. My current life says if it's not working right, let it go because it was yes. probably not meant to be. And uh, there, there's a one, let me, let, this is an important insight. Yeah. There's an old phrase, there's a means to an end, okay? Yeah. Uh, and uh, the means is how do you get to the end? Uh, uh, and the idea is... What we really have to recognize is this. We create the end. That's an image in our mind. That's a creative image. This is what I want. That's the end. And then I say, then we try to direct the universe by how I'm going to get (laughs) to that end. And I go, that's when it all goes to hell. I say, keep the picture of the end, but don't tell the universe this is what I need to do, steps A, B, C, and yeah, D. Yeah. Let go this of it. Yes. Because the universe will get you to the end because otherwise you're telling the universe this is how to do it. And I go, you know, the universe is a lot smarter than you are. Yeah. It'll get you there without the trauma that your own behavior is going to manifest. Yes. So a very important point. It's a lesson I had to learn myself is don't focus on how I'm going to get there. Focus on the end picture. Yeah the rest of the system will get you to that end. That, it's so good you bring that up because I did want to talk about this. You know, people do call it manifesting with you and there are so many different ways in which different people talk about the schools of it. Some teachers talk about you want a relationship rather than focus on the relationship, focus on love or you want wealth but you focus on abundance rather than that specific thing. Other teachers talk about, say you wanted a new job, like actually focus on the exact job, how you feel in the job, the potential colleagues. And what I want to know is what your view is on that. And also one of the most important things is that I always talk about is thinking that you want something isn't just going to attract it. It's all about energy and it goes back to what we were first talking about. You have to raise your energy whilst you're imagining it or wanting the desire to come into your life because otherwise it's just a thought rather than a thought that's amped up by some high-end energy. The big thing is first we have the thought of what the end was. But then I say, but you also have programs about how to run your life that are running unconsciously 95% of the day. That's where the sabotage comes from. It didn't come from the conscious mind with the wish of what you wanted. It came from the programs that were underneath. I couldn't get a relationship for 40-plus years. Why? Because my subconscious program, which I wasn't observing, just like Bill didn't see it, I didn't see it. I had an end. Boy, I want to have a great relationship. Uh, And I couldn't get there. 
Uh, and it was like, you know, it's like, what's I'm having a hard time. <laughs> uh, 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 and then I, uh, and then I'll tell you what, what the issue is, and I think it's an issue that is so profound. There, I recognize over the years of working with belief issues and all this, there are two fundamental belief issues that most people on this planet have to deal with. Two of them, uh, and I, and, and these throw the monkey wrench in. Eighty to ninety percent of the people in any belief change group that I work with. We ask the question uh, to test for the belief, I love myself. I'm going to tell you, 80 to 90% of the people will not test positive for that belief. Uh, it has to do also with growing up and being criticized as a child because we download those criticisms in the first seven years and then 95% of your life is coming from those mm. criticisms. Then you become self-critical. Uh, and you can't love yourself. And I say, if you can't love yourself, nobody else can love you. Yeah. Because someone says they love you, and in your mind you're saying, I'm not lovable. And then I say, well, then what do you think is going to be the result of that? You'll push them away, and then you'll say, see, I told you I wasn't lovable. They're not here. I go, you didn't realize, like Bill, the behavior you were pushing them away. So the first big issue for most people on this planet, I'm telling you, 80 90%, is... If you don't love yourself, then you can't find love on the planet. Yeah. You'll push it away because it won't be true anyway. Okay? That's number one. And number two is a statement, a belief statement, I am safe. Man, that's another one. 80% or so of the people will not test positive for I am safe. I go, what does that mean? Then it says, I'm afraid. That if I'm, a, I'm not safe, I'm afraid. Then I'm in protection. And guess what? Protection walls you off. Protection is separate from the threat. <laughs> well, if life is the threat and you feel not safe, you separate. And then again, you're not engaging in the life that you want. And this is not coming from the conscious mind. This is the hardest thing. Conscious mind wants all the beautiful things. It's a subconscious mind. And because it works 95% of the day, that's how much time the conscious mind is busy thinking. That's how much time the subconscious is running. If your subconscious is not in harmony with life, then you don't have harmony in your life. It's a simple fact like that. And I say you've been programmed. And it's very interesting because the idea of the programming the first seven years, you know, this is a 400-year-old awareness that programming in the first seven years controls your life. Yeah. And that's because the Jesuits have been saying for 400 years to their followers, give me a child until it is seven and I will show you the man. What they knew is whatever program the child got, before seven, 95% of life is coming from that. I go, that thought, that understanding has never been lost. <laughs> that today the programming is much worse than ever before. If you see an, an infant could hardly walk carrying an iPad, yeah. you're saying, oh, that's some programming yeah. right there. Yeah. So once you've got the subconscious mind settled, you've done all the bits and pieces, then with the manifesting part of it, do you put out the belief of what you want or how do you do it? I have the picture in my mind. Yes. I don't have to put it out every day. It's a it's picture in my mind. Yeah. So I just go out and live every day. And to be really honest, I have two different lives on this planet, before this awareness and after this awareness. Before this awareness, life wasn't working out the way I wanted it to work out, and then I made it work out. I worked hard, you yeah. know. And, it's like matter with matter. It's yeah. like, yeah, it takes time. And then basically, you know what happens? Remember I said there's a means to an end, and yeah. then I'm going to tell the universe how to get there, yeah. and the universe is sort of resisting me, but then I'm working harder and yeah. harder. You know what inevitably happens? doesn't feel good, 
does it. No, and when I got to the end, it was, well, this is not exactly what I wanted. (laughs) 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 And and that's when I started to realize, don't do it that way. Uh, My partner and I, uh, Margaret and I, were looking for a house. We went looking for a house for, you know, months and months, and the realtor would take us here and there. "Ah, That's not, nah, that's not it, nah. And then we realized at some point is, what the heck are we looking for? We didn't even, and people have said this in the past to me, and I never paid attention to it. And the answer was, write down what you want. Write it down. See it. Make pictures. Make a collage. I say, that's putting in the image. And after, you know, all those months of not finding a house, we were driving in the car, and we said, okay, here's a pad of paper. I'm driving. Margaret takes, let's take notes. What do we want? What kind of house? How many rooms? What's the environment like? What are the neighbors like? What's the realtor like? Five pages. Wow. Guess what? What? Everything on that. We put it, why not? It's a, you know, it's, yeah. a, it's a list of wishes. Oh, well, look, wouldn't it be nice to have a cottage so if guests come? Oh, I would like to have a writing studio. Oh, and a shop. That would be really great, too. And I start putting in things like, well, we, can we afford all that? You know, and I said, it didn't make any difference. That's a wish. The house shows up. How did it show up? <laughs> well, we uh, had the key to the realtor's uh, listing. So yeah. we had the key when something showed up that day before it went to the public. I already saw it. And it's funny because we went to this house earlier, but it wasn't where we weren't sure what we wanted. Yeah. And we go back and say, I think we looked at this house. And we went back, same house. And we looked and I said, everything on the checklist is here. And then guess what? The guy had to leave right away because he had a job somewhere else in another part of the country and he took a hundred thousand dollars off the price of the house because he had to leave and all of a sudden that thing we couldn't afford it it was and everything was there and it's like this is so important that you have to visualize what you want because you can't get it if you leave a blank the universe will fill the blank I was going to go to a Pink Floyd concert and I was so excited years ago and I was going to say what can I wear a special special shirt or something and I thought about it I said oh I would like one of those Russian shirts where it crossed the collars there's a couple of buttons and I said oh a Russian shirt would be great and then reality came and said where the hell do you get a Russian shirt I said well let's go to the mall I go to the mall and there's the First, I walk into a men's store, and there's a big circular rack with all these clothes on sale, figuring, what the hell? I start going through, and lo and behold, like, God, a Russian shirt in the middle of all this stuff. (laughs) And then the joke was on me, because all I visualized was a Russian shirt. I didn't say what color or anything. I just said Russian shirt. And there's a perfect Russian shirt. Zero color, gray. No color at all, gray. Yeah. And I go... Uh, oh, well, what the hell is a Russian shirt? But I left it out, and and that was a lesson for me. That said, the more complete you describe yes, what you're looking for. Yes, the detail for, is key. Because the universe, if you don't put something in there, it's like fill a blank, and it may fill it with something you had no intention of. And, and it turns out, people have said that to me years before I even understood doing it. And then once I started, oh, my God, you can't get there if you don't precisely know where it is you want to go. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed part one of my interview with Dr. Bruce Lipton. Part two is available now for you to listen to. Bruce and I discuss illness in children, why they are born with disease and how it manifests, the steps Bruce took to find love and create happiness in his life, 
and the humanly experience, why we are brought into our bodies to experience both love and pain. This chat blew my mind. You don't want to miss it. Part two is available now. Listener.